The Cosmic Christ Center presents The Cosmic Bible With your host, Ascended Master, Theologian, and Bible Instructor, Mercy Heavens Touch the face of God Hear the Spirit in every word and commune with the cosmic knowledge of the Creator. This is Christ's Word. Theme music, Blue Skies by David Feslian. FeslianStudios.com Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates the mind, the soul, the spirit, the joints, and the marrow, and it judges the thoughts, attitudes, and intentions of the heart. Welcome to the Cosmic Bible. I'm Mercy Heavens, and this is Christ's Word. Jesus told me, I cannot bear the works and acts of men, for the works and acts of men bring death and suffering to the world. There are a great many words inside the Bible that must be explained in full. When men write that a man can live 500 years, this is not the truth. This is man's limited comprehension of eternal life. The mind of man lives. The body of man does not. When men walk with God for three and five hundred years, they walk in spirit, the spirit of their minds. Do not let these words confuse you. Most men live a very short time, for they do not raise their minds to higher states of awareness. Do not think that Adam and Eve were God's first human creations, for they were not. This is a fallacy. The first human shepherds on the earth raised their minds, and this is how God spoke through them to other men. Through the human channels of the mind, many tongues and many interpretations were given to men. Understand, the first men and women of the earth were still part of the primates. In the beginning, when the creation of men was still fresh and clean on the earth, man held the seeds of God because their primate ancestry was still deep within them. Because the seeds of God are found in all of the animal kingdoms, all of the animal kingdoms lived in harmony with all of their primate brethren. But over time, as man began to physically change, so his appearance grew less and less like the primates, man moved away from the primates, seeking to govern themselves by their own ideas. Unlike their primate cousins who ran from the sound of an animal attacking another animal, man watched with fascination and glee, and then man began to imitate and demonstrate the same savage power that he had witnessed by inflicting this power on the weaker and smaller members in his tribe. As the victims of man's domination cowered, the transgressor felt puffed up and declared himself ruler of the tribe. And from then on, he did what the animals did. Only were the animals killed from instinct for food and survival. Man killed with dark pleasure. Man killed purely for the pleasure he felt from the lust of killing. And because lust filled man with an insatiable appetite for more lust, so man pursued all other lusts. Lust was all that mattered to men. And in man's insanity over his lustful pursuits, this made all others fear him. When speaking of the origins of early man, before man physically evolved into the contemporary flesh men and women that exist today, men had a spiritual connection to God 
and the spiritual connection made them one with God's pure energy, unlike the men today who are absent of God's pure energy. All animals still hold God's pure energy today. The pure energy of God has no physical form, but as men of spirit passed on to the higher plane of God, God received their spirit minds and the mortal information that was recorded in them. When man returned to the pure energy of God, they returned with the knowledge of vocal sounds and speech patterns, as well as the information of languages and interpretations and many tongues. The recollection of these things joined with the pure energy of God, and because God is the creator of all life, and because every life returns to God that God created, God now holds the information of all things in physical existence. Because the recordings of every life form's physical existence is now a part of God's information, God can now communicate with all life through the telepathy of the mind. And this means God can communicate with all of creation through their mental fields while utilizing their individual sentient language, each language according to its own individual species. Because every creation holds a magnetic energy that records all experiences while they are alive, all experiences are kept whole and intact for God to review once they return to God's pure energy field. Whereas men do not find value in the language of non-human life forms, God did. And now God knows the thoughts, speech, language, and mind of all of his creations. Every single life form on the earth wants the exact same things in equal measure. And those things are undisturbed peace, undisturbed comfort, security, contentment, freedom, liberty, safety, protection, defense, good health, well-being, and the joy of living life in their own individual and unique way. When men begin to understand that the language of all non-human creations is the exact same language as all of human creation, they receive the gift of interspecies communication and comprehension. This is how some men speak to animals and how these same men know how animals think and feel. Men call these men whisperers, but in truth, they hold higher sentient minds, but they hold the knowledge of God's ability to understand all creation. Remember, all life comes from the first life, and so all life is interconnected. The first life is God. All men have the ability to connect and communicate with every other life form, but to do so, they must put to death their self-interest. When a man serves himself over all creation, he stands outside of God and apart from God, and therefore he also stands outside of and apart from his higher alpha mind. Through their higher alpha mind, men are able to speak to God and all creation, and they are also able to hear the voice of God and the voices of all creation, including every tree, every flower, every blade of grass, and every living natural creation. All they have to do is listen. Once God mastered how to speak to men through the recordings of the higher mind, God decided to do something new, something God had never done before. Knowing man's spirit was nothing more than the essence of their recorded information from their life experience, God decided to come down to earth as the embodiment of a man, and that man was I, Jesus Christ, 
the one who would soon be named the Messiah of the people. When I took the Lord upon me, I remember it was the night of the millennium in 1999. On that night, I was first contacted by the Spirit of Jesus Christ while I was lying awake in bed. I saw a bright light directly ahead of me as a figure appeared from it. The figure was Jesus Christ. You will bring light into the world and hope to the disheartened, the figure said. It is not the coming of Christ that people are waiting for, the voice told me. It is the coming of what Christ taught. Now is the time for you to teach the masses. Now is the time for them to hear God's word. Through the writings and music that you will create, you shall move the nations through the words of the Lord. Christ's true message must be heard. Trying to make sense of what I was seeing, I quickly called out to the figure before it vanished before me and disappeared. What is it you're asking of me? How can I alone help you save the world? Take my yoke upon you, Jesus said. The truth of salvation is here in the acts of humanity that you toil over. God's light will fill the hearts of the world. Use your gifts to spread God's light and never lose sight of the reason why you are here. Why am I here? I asked Jesus. What is my life's mission? The world is changing. Spread the word, Christ said. There are many who will stop at nothing to appease their sinful natures, and even more who will use their mortal minds to destroy my teachings with their lies. You are the light of God. You will find your salvation. My cross lies upon you as you go out into the world. And what if men won't listen to me? I asked the Lord. Spread my word to those who will listen and forget the rest. Let the words themselves bring people home to me. What is to be taught in my church is also to be taught in my school. It is you who will make these things happen, for I place my school and my church in your hands. The misconceptions of God's word can no longer be tolerated. The truth of all scriptures must be told. In this new day and age, a light of dawn must appear inside the minds of all men. It has been written that the laws of God have not been accomplished. God's commands are not a passing practice of observance that was meant to be short-lived in popularity. God's commands are to be burned to the memory and carried out to the letter, never to be ignored or taken out of context. For they are explicit and verbatim, they are not subject to change. As the figure of Christ disappeared from my sight, I knew I would never be the same again. It was through my own realization of Christ's words that I began to be a fierce defender and protector of animals. In fact, one day while I was debating the issue of meat-eating, a woman came up to me and said, You can't speak for God. Only God can speak for God. Why do you make such a big deal out of meat-eating when God never did? Why don't you do things your own way and let us meat-eaters do things our way? As the woman said this, many audience members began to clap and applaud her for being so bold. But before I could answer her remark, I found myself speaking out loud as a channeled message from Christ sprung from my lips. To be godly, a man must do things God's way, not man's way. The eating of meat is man's way. Men like to stand up for one another, even when men sound and act ungodly in the things that they do and say. But I tell you this, no man can go forth in peace and kill. When men go forth in peace, all of nature applauds them because they do peaceful things, kind things, merciful things. And when men are kind, peaceful, and merciful, they are blameless. When men go forth in death, only men applaud them, for only men 
enjoy acts that are the opposite of peace. The progeny of those who first ate meat have populated the earth while saying God told them to do this sinful thing. But this is not true. God never told men to eat meat. These men and women keep spreading their hypocrisy to their offspring, and because this has now become a way of life for men, men and women of today repeat the hypocrisy of their ancestors in order to defend their right to kill. But the scrolls did tell us what to do, and every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea did sing their praises, for their prayers were heard. Did you ever read the Revelations 1 through 21? Revelations tells us, as the seals of the scrolls were broken, the winds, thunder, flashes of lightning, hail, earthquake, and plagues were sent while pounds of wheat and barley filled the fields, and figs fell from the trees as vines of grapes ripened. The time had come when those who were destroying the earth were now being destroyed, and a new heaven and a new earth was created. For God wiped every tear from every eye and showed the earth that there would be no more death, no more mourning or crying, and no more pain, for the old order of things had passed away. Why did the old order of things pass away? Because the destroyers of the earth were destroyed. Discussing the Bible with men is like building a house Genesis 1-9 is the foundation of that house. Genesis 1-9 tells men not to eat meat. If this house was an actual physical structure, would you put up walls of the house before the foundation was laid? The answer is no. Yet men rush at full speed to place the roof upon the house before the walls are even in place to secure it. And in doing so, the foundation crumbles. Because men think as flesh beings and not as spirit, their feet rush to destroy the foundation of God with the weight of their own inequities. It is like they are building a fragile house of cards that can only stand upright if there is no wind present to knock it down. They eat meat, but meat has no godly foundation. Rather than building a bold and sturdy fortress from the diet that God gave them, men create a laden roof of death, suffering, inequity, and deceit to crush the very existence of their own salvation. Do you not see that God gave man a vegetation diet as the foundation and direction of where their lives were supposed to lead them? This direction was a path that would lead them towards peace. But before the foundation was firm, in their human ways, they crushed it with this roof of sin, death, and inequity that has now become the greatest holocaust that the world has ever known. As Jesus stopped channeling, I told this woman, I hope you can see now that if you are a person who considers yourself godly, that meat-eating is not a godly thing to do. Just read the scripture, Revelations 22, for in this scripture it says, The angel of the Lord showed the people the river of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, down the middle of the great street of the city.
On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer would there be a curse upon the lands, but the destroyers of the earth were dead. As you can see, Revelations is the fall of man, and when God renewed the earth, what was the food that God gave man? God didn't make meat line the streets, did he? The answer is no. God lined the streets with trees, not just trees, the trees of life. God renewed the earth with spirit food, not with meat, for meat is flesh, and flesh meat is death. There is no life in it. The old order of things has passed away. Meat was part of the old order of things. Twelve trees of life God gave to man to bring man food for every month of the year. This was God's plan right from the beginning. And it still is God's plan today because God does not change God's mind. Remember Numbers? Numbers 23.19 and Titans 1.2. God does not lie, nor does God change God's mind. Jesus told me, The plagues upon the earth have already begun to take lives. The coronavirus is just one of them. Because of man's destruction of the world and all of animal kind, the world is now diseased, for man has spread their disease of death to every land. Yea, men who are unjust and filled with inequities are also filled with imperfections, and therefore their imperfections are like a disability that impairs their higher conscience and higher mind. These men cannot generate and spread love and peace to others. All they can do is act like a contagion that contaminates and spreads disease and death. But I tell you this, all flesh feasts and bloodletting will soon put an end to all of men, for what men eat today will be the death of the world tomorrow. Psalm 104.10 God makes springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. They give drink to every animal in the field so they can quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell. They sing among the branches. From God's lofty abode, God waters the mountains, and the earth is satisfied with the fruits of God's work. God makes the grass grow for the animals to graze, and God makes the plants for man to labor over and cultivate, so man may bring forth food from the earth. God wants man to receive vegetation. That is why this psalm does not say, and God makes the animals for man to kill and butcher, so man may bring forth food from the earth. Whenever I think of channeling the voice of God, this is the story I most love to tell. There are many men and women who have channeled Jesus Christ. And in fact, Jesus told me, Do not think that you are the only one that I have come to, for I have come to many while many have shunned my words. You are not like the many. You are like the few. For it is you who sets her mind on things above, rather than allowing your mind to dwell in darkness. You think of the spirit and strive to do what is spiritual. You listen to God's words and teach them as my truth, without questioning them or interjecting words that speak the truth of man. Yea, the truth of man is found in the lies of their deceptions, while the lies of men are found in the destruction of their own inventions and imaginings. When men seek lies as truth, they corrupt the truth, the same way that they have corrupted my words. Men set their minds in the world, so their minds cling to the flesh. This is why man's thoughts remain low. Men cling to earthly things. They do not set their minds on God, nor do they set their minds above. Men crave the flesh, so they eat the flesh, and therefore they do not see above. The spirit is above. The spirit holds the mind of man. But men do not use their minds, 
So how can they see the Spirit or know that the Spirit is there? Men see only inequity, corruption, and death. And then men pleasure themselves in the suffering and destruction of the death that they create. Death and inequity are the things men pursue in the name of God. But death and inequity are as far from God as men can get. Yea, men are so convinced that their truth is God's truth that they even falsify the scriptures to make this so. Men tell all other men that they are using God's words while they promote their own corrupt agendas. But it is not the truth of men that will gain man's salvation. Only the truth of God can set men free from their inequities, and only the truth of God will save the earth from man's own sins. Every night during my sleep, over and over again, the voice of God would come and speak to me until one night in October 2002, when I was with my mother, sitting beside her while she was lying in a hospital bed. Not only did I hear the voice of God, but I also saw the man. No longer was the figure of Christ just a vision in my dreams, for there he stood before me, alive and in the flesh, dozing in and out of sleep that day. I was on edge as I waited for my mother to wake, when suddenly this male figure began to enter the room. Oddly enough, this man wore a white robe and seemed to be slowly floating across the floor, heading straight towards me. Your journey of gaining knowledge is just beginning, he said to me. Through my guidance, you will be made a disciple, for the truth must be told. It is time to spread my word and make my intentions clear. I will not leave you until all is accomplished. The voice I was hearing was a powerful one, and as I looked into the face of the speaker, I tried to rationalize who exactly was sending me this message, and that's when I recognized his features. This man looked like one of the portraits of Jesus Christ that I had seen over my lifetime. The truth must be told. Be patient, and soon you will know why you were chosen. It is time to spread my word and make my intentions clear. Unravel the people's misconceptions of God. It is time to step up to the future and leave the old ways behind. Why are you here? I asked the Lord. Why must my mother share this crucible of mine? Follow God's word, the Lord said. Follow it as I tell it to you. Do not put words in their place. Teach those who have no understanding. Due to human carelessness, this world is coming to an end. Warn all who you see about the earth's destruction by men. Inform them what man has done to her through his neglect. Once finished speaking, the figure of Christ then placed his hand on my mother's forehead and said, Your mother will awaken. It is not her time yet. My mind began to race. Was I awake or was I asleep? Did this really happen? Remember, I heard the voice say, Due to human carelessness, this world will end. The figure of Christ left the room as quickly as he arrived. And as he vanished from my sight, my mother, who was lying peaceful in the bed beside me, opened her eyes and said, I just saw Christ in my dream. I'm going to be okay. She smiled at me, quickly drawing my attention to the very announcement that I had been praying for all evening. He was here, Ma, I said. I saw him too. Every time I share this story, I can't help wondering, why did I have such a prophetic experience? Week after week, month after month, and year after year, 
the voice of Christ keeps speaking to me daily as I eagerly write down every word that he says. My sister Reva will now share her story about how the Lord came upon her. When I first met Jesus, I saw him in a dream I had in the late summer of 1989. He stood on a hill pointing to the right and told me to go on. At that time, I didn't think life was worth living. I did not see him again for a very long time. When I first received telepathic messages from beyond the mortal coil in 2008, I thought I was receiving the word of the Holy Spirit. I did not see any apparition. I only heard a soft male voice and sometimes that voice became rougher and the personality seemed to change. I called the voice Father because I thought the voice was God's. I felt my own spirit was gone. It had been crushed. I would get up with a calling to write in my notebook which served as my journal and I would sit by the window in the living room. It was always during the hours of 3 to 4 a.m. that this occurred, and I would become lost in the telepathic transmission that flooded me. And as the message culminated around 5 a.m., I heard birds singing. Not just one bird. It sounded like the voices of a flock of birds. And I would look outside to see the sun in the sky and a flock of sparrows on the bushes singing away in a melodious chorus. This was joyous to me because I lived in the city, and there was no life in the city, no spirit. There were only buildings and people that were as lifeless as the buildings. I did not judge by appearance, but by affectation, because I was empathic, and all my life I sensed the true life force that came from nature, for all of nature held spiritual life. It was only man that turned away from the spirit in order to invent his own kind of life that wasn't life at all. I don't know what it was, but man did not radiate with spirit. His inventions didn't radiate with spirit, and neither did he. And the religions he invented and the churches he erected were also void of spirit. But they drew a lot of accolades from the people, because the people were also without spirit. So they didn't realize anything was missing. They were happy to worship man. So there I was in the center of a city filled with buildings, churches, and people. And yet my spirit was dying because there was no trees, no birds, nothing of spirit, no presence of God at all. So naturally, when I heard the soft male voice, I thought it must be the Holy Spirit. And when I heard the sparrows singing and saw not just one, but a whole flock, it confirmed to me that it was the Holy Spirit I spoke to, for who else but the Holy Spirit could communicate with the birds and send them to my window. All throughout my life I had been called to religion, and all through my life I found nothing in religion. But at this time, directly before I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, I was called to read the Bible, and though I found no spirit in the Old Testament, I found the Spirit was very much alive within the words of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived in his words. His energy was still there even after 2,000 years and after 2,000 translations and 200 versions of the Bible were written. Christ's Spirit was still alive in his words. When I heard the voice, I thought of John 14:26-27. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This scripture came to my mind every time I heard him speak and I cried every time I heard it. I did a lot of crying as I wrote down his messages. I was totally overtaken as if I was possessed by something deep inside me that I never knew. I mourned for the beauty of the spirit that seemed lost to me. I mourned for the loss of innocence and joy because these things were also gone in me, smothered by the lifeless world of the city. Sometimes the voice recited poetry that echoed my own feelings. I built you a dream of green valleys and meadows. 
of blue mountains and clean water, of rich grains and vegetables, of nourishing fruit in warm sun, of healing rain and rich flora and colors of blazing sunset. I built you a dream full of life and love and harmony, and I made you a place as shepherds of it all. But you chose instead the coldness of steel and the hardness of concrete, the harshness of fluorescence and the destruction by poison waste. You built your cities on death and raised your flags covered in innocent blood. You celebrated black victories while dancing on the bones of those you slaughtered. You trampled my dream and created your nightmare, and so I proclaim you as destroyers of the world and masters of all that is unholy. This must be the Holy Spirit, I thought, because he spoke of creation and man's destruction, and everything he said was true. Each morning between 3 and 4 a.m., the messages would continue, and they always ended with the birds singing and the sun rising. It didn't matter what time of year it was. The time is coming when man's darkness will lay waste to the world. Men have embraced the dark and reveled in it for the sake of their evil ambitions. They are deceivers, professing that their dark deeds are justified for the sake of human progress. But the truth is coming in the light, which lives to this day, even though the darkness hides it. The faithful will need to prepare themselves in virtue and wash themselves clean, so their light may reveal them. For the King of Light will rise again, and through his shepherds, heaven will be made on earth. By the time the voice finished speaking, I was cleansed of all my sorrow, my emptiness and pain. I was filled with his spirit and light, and it was elevating. I knew I was having a religious experience, and I had made contact with something beyond myself. Before creation there was spirit, and it was vast and expansive, stretching across the universe. All was contained within, the low and the high. The world was created, and all the creatures and flora thrived. What was out of balance was destroyed by quake, flood, and volcanic eruption. Life took many forms in creation and recreation until the birth of man, which gave darkness a name. Man spread across the planet like a plague, resistant to light, consuming the land, and leaving all he encountered in rivers of blood and torment. Even the light was killed, and as often as the light rose to reveal man's destruction, man extinguished the flame so he could remain hidden in the shadows of his own evil. He grew in numbers, enslaved the planet, and built monuments to his own genius in all shapes, colors, and sizes. His material advancement blinded him, but the darkness of his appetite could not be satisfied. The facts have not changed in thousands of years, but man tells his own story, and only the light knows his heroism is stained with villainy. In response to his marvelous messages of love for the earth, and all natural creation, I wrote the Holy Spirit many prayers. Dear Holy Spirit, help me to ascend beyond my physical limitations, for the world of man imposes many burdens upon me and places many obstacles in my path, and sometimes my light fails me. Lift me up when I succumb to darkness, raise me from the self-destruction that seems so ingrained in my physical form, and hold me in the quiet countenance of your unconditional love, for there is much work to do to awaken the world, and heavy is the darkness that smothers the flame of hope. Dear Holy Spirit, I praise the many names we have given you. Through my journey, you sustain me. I am one reflection of your light, one part of an infinite universal family. Grant that my lips will be a vessel through which you speak, Take hold my hands and guide me that I may do the work you have planned and teach me your wisdom that I may stay the path of my spiritual evolution an everlasting light and an everlasting service. Amen. Dear Holy Spirit, guide me now with your still voice. Share your wisdom and open the gates to unlimited possibilities. Lead me out of confusion and doubt that I may find the path of ascension from which I have strayed. With all my heart, I thank you for your presence in my life. Dear Holy Spirit, grant me your counsel. Help me to remember my life's purpose. As I ascend to you through my will for spiritual excellence, 
cleanse me in the light of unconditional love that I may feel the wholeness of our union. In the name of all that is created, amen. Dear Holy Spirit, I seek you with all my heart. I thirst for you in this land where there is no water. I hunger for you in this land where there is no food. Deliver me from this barren existence where pain and fear are my constant companions. Raise me up. Release me from the burdens of these earthly chains. Let me know the peace of eternal rest. Spare me the misery to come. For I am without luck or hope, and heavy is my heart with the burden of my own existence. Amen. Often the Holy Spirit would answer me, Let go of the darkness, and you will overcome the world. What limits you is not spirit, but body. Do not be deceived. See the difference. My peace is with you always. I have granted this to you before my death. Seek the Holy Spirit as the conduit of my peace. He shall comfort you in all things and at all times. Reach always for the highest good and know it, so you may always have access to it, even in the darkest moment of your life. Make your mind as pure as snow. Let nothing defile you. Think pure thoughts, have faith in these thoughts, and produce only that which comes from purity. Death is not the end. Do not be afraid. I have told you this. In all things, look to spirit. If there is love, it will endure. Protect it. Do not let anyone wrench it from you. There is nothing dark in love, but only darkness that comes from fear of love. The light of the Spirit is hope and faithfulness and the greater glory of God, the aspiration of purity and holiness, the desire for loveliness, perfection in all that is sublime. Against such things there is no law, for these things are the grace of God and the supreme knowledge of heaven. No man can uproot heaven, for heaven has no root in darkness, and no man can overturn the light when its power renders man a mere shadow on the wall of his grave. Hold fast to the holy flame inside you and know it is I. Guard it, feed it spiritual food for nourishment and use it wisely to guide others and to heal. Trust in the light and know that you are made holy by it and you are one with me and I with you and all you do for the world you do for me and by these things you are blessed. When you have been born again in spirit and you have collected all the spirit knowledge your mind can hold, you will have found the true meaning of heaven. But if you lose your way and allow yourself to turn against the spirit, you will be in the hell of your own making. From your own heaven you will be driven to think good thoughts and do good deeds. But from the doings of your hell you will give birth to evil, and from that evil men will try to take over this world and corrupt goodness. Be mindful of the path you choose in life, for too soon your time on this planet will be over. Always remember, only when virtue has been forsaken can evil rise upon this earth. Harness your evil intentions and anger and put them to use as tools of your strength to survive the hardships on earth. Create from hatred a better world free of hate, for only then can we prevent the destruction of the earth. The virtues of the Spirit will be the root of your salvation. Heed what is wrong in this world and turn these wrongdoings into acts of kindness and compassion. Because I wanted to know more about Christ, I read the Old Testament and began asking questions about it. And the first scripture I brought into question was Matthew 19.8. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. Moses changed the prophecy he received in order to make the commands of God suit man's interests. In other words, the commands of God were corrupted in order to suit darkness. Think of the wars that God commanded, the violence, bloodshed, and total annihilation of complete villages. Even livestock were murdered for no other reason, but they were the property of God's enemies. Did God really command this massacre? Or was it the command of the prophet receiving the message who changed the message to suit what men wanted to do? Does this mean the prophets were complicit in aiding men to continue their dark ways? 
And if Moses changed scripture to suit man, are the apostles guilty of the same thing? We can safely assume that other prophets also changed scripture to suit man, and men reading the scripture would also change it to suit their perceptions, opinions, and interests. Why were prophetic messages changed to suit man's interests? The answer lies in man's history. Man has been waging war since he first learned to throw a rock and wield a branch as a club. The savage instinct of primitive man has not been tempered in thousands of years of evolution. Back then, 3,500 years ago, capitalism was starting. Money was the answer to poverty, illness, hunger, homelessness, and the removal of every obstacle that stood between men and their goals. Money was a powerful aphrodisiac, and the allure of wealth was not easy competition for anyone preaching moral virtue or holiness. So were the commands of God changed to suit man in hopes that the prophets and apostles could gain an audience with men? No matter what the reason, Changing the commands only fed into man's self-interest and fed his hunger for dominance and supremacy over the planet. As the words of God were changed to suit man, so man thought himself a god and behaved as the god he worshipped, the god that had absolute dominion over the earth to destroy all creation at will. As a result, man's savage instincts have remained in him, stagnant, while his intellect darkened in its pursuit of technology and weapon refinement, goals that serve only to destroy the biosphere and the ecological balance of the planet. Today, man no longer needs to use the rock or the club to subdue an enemy. No longer do a handful of men die by man's weapons. Now man's weapons have the capability of laying waste to an entire planet. Nothing escapes his dominion or his quest for supremacy over life itself. Even nature is not beyond the grasp of man, for man's experiments, ignorance, carelessness, and self-serving interests have also led to mutations and the extinction of many of God's creations, while he has also poisoned, littered, polluted, and plundered the natural resources of the earth, even to their depletion. In the air, under the sea, and on the land, there are animals, birds, reptiles, and insects, many of which cause destruction to foliage and crops, or kill their fellow creatures for food. But no other single species has caused the enormous suffering and death toll that man has caused in his reign of terror on earth. Even today, suffering and slaughter in the billions continues by man's hand in his death industries while he continues to justify his actions with self-interest. By his actions and by his history, man has harnessed the dark energies of physical existence and utilized them to their absolute power, efficiency, and horror. This would indicate that he embodies the spirit of dark energies quite well. This explains the dark interpretations of Bible scripture and the changing of God's commands from light to dark, love to hate, and from peace to war. How else can a human teacher, prophet, clergyman, or church body get men to listen unless they all bend their messages to suit the lusts of the audience. All must go dark in order to serve the darkness that man wants in rule. And as the rule of darkness is programmed into every human generation, it is now commonplace and accepted as the norm. No one thinks anymore. No one bothers to contemplate or investigate. They just go along with the status quo that is dark. And when you tell them they are programmed, they laugh. They don't even know they have minds. They believe because they do their master's will that their freedom to do their master's will makes them free. This is how redundant their thinking is. And yet, let just one step outside the redundancy and see the programming for what it is and watch as that individual investigator becomes a victim of the programmed society that turns on it. You see, those who are programmed to sleepwalking through life, living the automation that has been fed to them, and they are used to the manufactured dream they have been fed. They do not want it challenged. Their minds are hostile against evolution. They want to go down to the pit from whence they sprang, for the darkness is all they know. It is their home. Since the beginning of man's existence, only a few men and women have experienced light energy embodied light energy and utilized light energy 
for the greater good, opening up a gateway to higher standards, loftier aims, and holy causes of purity, compassion, mercy, and virtue. These men and women are the light workers. Some have called them saints and messiahs. Some people who are the victims of violent accidents or near-death experiences return from death-like states to report experiences of being enveloped in bright light that radiates warmth and a sensation of tremendous loving power. Through the tremendous impact of energy against their bodies, their lower human energy was transmuted and raised to higher vibrations. When you see the light, you too will begin to see that despite the enormous suffering man causes across the planet to all its life forms, and despite the wars he instigates, whether he wins or loses, man is still empty, desolate, and searching, and due to his nature, he still thirsts and hungers for the things that the physical world cannot supply. His senses are dulled and his eyes are blind as he continues to torture, oppress, and kill while his craving for material possessions, wealth, leadership, dominion, and conquest remain unsatisfied. What is the cause? What man is missing is the light, and just like anyone from a distant land, what he doesn't recognize is foreign to him. Man chases the very thing that he also runs from. For the teachers, prophets, and students of light energy, there is no quest for violence or dominion. There is no lust for power or bloodshed. There is only peace and the fulfillment of spirit. This fulfillment of spirit is also known as enlightenment, and it is a condition of holiness where mortal men and women connect with the divine. It is not by accident that so many teachers and prophets with similar philosophies have come to the earth to teach humans about the light. All are motivated by one task, to raise the awareness of man to the energies of light and thus redeem him from his self-imposed darkness and his path of self-destruction. For in laying waste to the world, man has also doomed himself to be laid to waste. For what happens to one part of the web of existence happens to all by the law of existence that states all are one. Many stories in the good book did not carry over due to the damage to the parchment that were printed on, but all have been recorded here in the sands of time. You see sand is something that is on God's beaches and on desert floors, but the sands of time are time particles, moments of time captured in the memories of those who lived them. Even if the identity surrenders their recorded particles, these particles live because the spirit material where the recording is embedded is alive and it cannot be destroyed. This is how all information becomes available to all minds that are equal to it. There were many plagues cast upon man due to his cruelty to animals and his abuse of God's kingdoms. The plague of fever in response to persistent rituals of burnt offerings, the plague of blood for man's persistent slaughter of the animals, the plague of sores for man's sexual impropriety, the plague of death for his pollution, the plague of the stillborn, for man's promiscuity. All of nature is alive and all of nature is connected. There is not one thing that happens that does not affect the all and trigger a response in the web of life. You think you have won because these diseases and plagues go into remission, but it is like death. Only the flesh dies, the information in the spirit lives, and I tell you, even disease has a spirit. Disease is the coded response of nature to the corruption in nature. It is a response to any threat to nature. You may think you have won the day in placing a disease in remission, but I tell you, look at the numbers of your brethren who have died from that disease. How many bodies did you bury? Those bodies did not rise, but the spirit of the disease lives, and you cannot kill it. You can only temporarily remove its presence from your flesh bodies but you do not control the disease because you do not control life. You were made by life. You did not create yourselves. Release your delusions of power. You are nothing. Creation occurred without you. It occurs of its own will, not by your will. You merely scramble to destroy the effects of creation, but you cannot stop creation. And in truth, you cannot stop the plans of creation. 
for all plans live in the waves that carry them, and waves cannot be destroyed. As you sow the seeds of misery, so you invent nothing but misery. There was a farmer with a thousand cattle he found on a hill. The cattle were peaceful. They bothered no man. But the farmer chose to become their enemy, so he became God's enemy. For the moment the farmer slaughtered the cattle, the trauma and pain of the slaughter traveled through the energy field of the cattle, and that transmission of their agony was felt around the world in the sentient field of all of creation, and nature responded in kind, and every man, woman, and child that ate the meat fell victim to the blood disease, as blood came from their eyes and nose and every body cavity. Fever and pain overtook them, and verily they bled to death. That disease still lives, and men go on in defiance, believing they hold some special immunity, but they hold nothing, because something waits for them too. It has already been written into their coding. It merely incubates until it is time for rebirth. Check your facts and remember your diseases born of the slaughtered animals, fish, fowl, and mammals. Remember your diseases born of the toxic waste you dump in the environment. Remember your own genetic tampering. You live on borrowed time, and one day soon, that time will run out. One of the first channeled messages I received from Christ was this. Awareness is the evolution of consciousness. However, evolution is not a process of spiraling downward as you create and inflict darkened states of suffering, death, and pain. The evolution of consciousness is all about rising upward to states of awareness that promote mercy, kindness, compassion, and peace. Awareness knows peace first, and then it becomes aware of the opposite of peace that is chaos and pain. It is the awareness of pain that drives awareness upward, and this is evolution. All those who wallow in the cesspool of carnage and pain have no higher awareness, and so they are not evolved. They are still in the savage state. Only those who are aware of the savage state and seek to rise above it to states that are peaceful, benevolent, compassionate, loving, and merciful, these people are showing they are evolving in consciousness. As their consciousness rises, they will no longer be able to be at peace with the savage. They will see his lower state, and they will feel revulsion for the acts of the savage. They will inspire new life and new ways of life, which is how veganism started. Veganism is an ancient concept. The earliest of man's civilizations also had their vegans. The universe of consciousness never forgets, for it holds all of consciousness all thoughts that are low and high, the savage thoughts and the thoughts of altruism and benevolence. But these thoughts are not on the same plane. The lower thoughts are closest to the earth because the earth is the lowest material plane. The higher thoughts extend to the far reaches of the upper conscious universe where people often think of as nirvana or heaven. In a world full of savages, how else can advanced higher consciousness survive unless it does seclude itself away from the hostility, chaos, and pain? This is not a sign of selfishness, but a sign of the preservation of the mind that is innocent and virtuous. You may choose to define the terms for yourself, but I use the words I know. Consciousness evolves to states of holiness and divinity by evolving thoughts to these states as well. The truth of this lies in how far you will go on behalf of the innocent. I tell you now, until you become aware that you love the earth and all life upon her with the passion of the mother and father of creation, and until the mere sight or sound of cruelty renders your heart so you are driven to tears, and until you feel the emotions of outrage just knowing that inequities and injustice exist on the earth because of men, you will never know how far your mind can evolve for your mind will always remain trapped in a snare of self-indulgence that will drag you down to the bowels of the lowest places on earth. Yea, once a mind raises and understands why it is crying for the mere sight or sound of cruelty, and 
Once a mind raises and it understands why it feels the emotions of outrage just knowing that iniquities and injustice exist on the earth, nothing will ever be the same for you. You will see the cause of injustice and you will never be able to feel at peace with it for the cause of injustice is a threat to all that you love. In the same way, those minds that are buried in the darkness of savage thoughts also cling to their savage world and their crave for their savage ways that are destructive. Suffering is their mantra, just as peace and benevolence is yours, and they will never release their hold on the misery they cause. But you, as the one who is evolving, have the gift to rise. You will leave the savage world and you will never return there. All the refinement that you experience in your consciousness will take you out of the land of purgatory where your lessers dwell. But they who love purgatory will never leave. They will die in the same savage mindset that they lived in, and this will be their world for an eternity. Coming out of the cosmic stream, on our next episode of the Cosmic Bible, we will be discussing the life of Christ in the New Testament. I'm Reva Christ. May the word of Christ be with you.